Welcome to season two of the SCMRC Lead Podcast, featuring epic supply chain lessons from our industry partners. My name is Donnie Williams, and I am the Executive Director of the Supply Chain Management Research Center in the Walton College at the University of Arkansas. Season two of the podcast will be hosted by Mike Grain. Mike is the Director of the Retail Supply Chain Initiative, and this is a strategic partnership within the SCMRC. The goal of this initiative is to surface the challenges and opportunities of on-shelf availability, or OSA, focusing on the concepts, tools, and technologies driving retail OSA. Season two will feature a dynamic guest list of retailers, CPG suppliers, solution providers, and industry leaders to drive collaborative efforts and advance learning within the industry. Thank you for joining and enjoy the podcast. I am super excited to have this conversation today of on-hand accuracy and introduce my good friend, Justin Patton, uh, to the audience. On-hand accuracy is a critical factor in knowing whether you have product in a store available for customers, exposing on-hands for people for buy online, pick up and store. And frankly, it's a very important to make sure that you have on-hands correct to drive your replenishment system. On-hand accuracy is an important topic, but it's not very well understood with the industry. So we're going to get into this topic in depth. We're going to talk a lot about on-hand accuracy, the importance of on-hand accuracy, what are the negative implications if it's not correct, and all kinds of other topics. Please welcome my friend, Justin Patton. Justin Patton and I have been working together for over 16 years. Justin graduated from the University of Arkansas and became the managing director for the RFID lab, radio frequency identification lab, as part of the University of Arkansas. In 2014, that particular lab moved from the University of Arkansas down to Auburn University. And Justin was responsible for the migration of that lab down to Auburn, moving the entire team and all the equipment down there, and has done just such a great job driving RFID and other sensor technologies for retailers. Justin, welcome. Thank you for being part of the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Sure. Thank you for having me, Mike. Yeah, we've been we've been doing this for over 16 years. We've we've mm-hmm. talked about on-hand accuracy so much. We've talked about different solutions for that. But today for our podcast audience, I really want to spend some time on on-hand accuracy because as I said in the intro, it's something that's critically important for online shopping, on-shelf availability. It's it's I think it's well understood by some, but it's probably the minority of people who really understand. They may understand that it's accurate or not accurate, but they don't Mm -hmm. understand the reasons it's not accurate. They don't understand what the various types of inaccuracy mean and what it causes. So I thought I really want to kind of jump into today. Before I start with anything, I'm I'm starting out with always putting yourself in the eyes of a customer, somebody Mm -hmm. who's shopping in a store. And I've had, I've shared uh, experiences before where I went in to try to find a printer cartridge for my printer and Sure enough, they had a thousand printer cartridges, but the black part cartridge I needed for my printer wasn't there and how frustrating that was, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I want to turn it over to you before we get into all the details of this thing. Do you have any kind of stories where you personally went to get something that you thought you should be able to pick up at a local store or you ordered something and you got disappointed? Uh, just just to, to tell us the background of that, that and tell us, you know, kind of how you felt. Sure. I, I got a good one. And uh, it's actually from this last weekend. And uh, I think it kind of illustrates 
how things have changed when it comes to inventory accuracy as well. So, um, the, uh, um, my son is, um, finally at Lego age, right? So he's way into Lego Harry Potter and he wanted one very specific, um, Lego Harry Potter set. It's literally a bathroom at Hogwarts. They've made Legos of everything now, I guess. So <laughs> I looked at the, at the app and it was from a, a local retailer and uh, that sells Legos has a very large toy section. So I go down there. It says they have them in stock, go to the toy section. We've all been there. It's wrecked, right? The toy section is like, there's just Legos in 500 directions and there's a whole long wall and all the boxes look very similar. So I spent about mm, 10 minutes uh, searching through all of the sea of Legos in there. And I'm not seeing that particular Lego set. So a few things are, are different about that versus before. First off, I did have confirmation that it was there. So if this was, you know, 20 years ago, you would hope that that store might be carrying that thing because they advertised it in the newspaper, but you have no so confirmation. What you, so what do you mean by that? Did you actually call them and say, hey, do you have this particular item? How did you, how did you know they had it? On the app, right? So on you can app. look on the app and it'll okay. say, here is order online versus here is in stock at the local store. Okay. So the, it. it didn't tell me a stock number. It just said that that set was in stock at that store. And I actually have two stores here in town. So I had a, an option to go to one. So I get there and I'm like, well, they say it's here. So in the past, if I didn't have that confirmation, I probably wouldn't spend as much time searching for it because I just don't have some kind of confidence that it's there. But now I got a little bit of boosted confidence. Man, I searched that whole section. I tore the whole thing apart. Didn't find it. It's out of stock, right? So now, and again, 10, 20 years ago, that'd be the end of the story. We'll mark it up as a loss, go somewhere else. But now we have more tools. So I'm starting to think, I'm like, interesting. So if the store says it's in stock, then I could go to the app and I can BOPUS it, right? Yeah. So, and then they can find it because sometimes they'll do those BOPUSes same day in a few hours. So I was like, I wonder if I just BOPUS pick this and then I go over and buy a bunch more stuff, I'm going to get a notification in a minute where, heck, I might see some, the person walk over there to the same section I'm searching and do the same thing. And maybe they know some secret area where it is and I didn't. So I was like, okay, this is a new tool that I had before that I didn't have before. So I do it and um, BOPUS it, walk around, do a little bit of uh, searching in the store. Um, did not hear back by the time I left, but then about an hour later, I got a notification. Order was canceled, didn't have it, couldn't find it, right? So, I mean, what a journey, right? Because yeah. before, it was very much go in the store, it's either there, it's not there, and you're done with it. So now I have all these extra tools where I can have some kind of influence or accountability in the system, mm -hmm. but they don't always work the way you want them to. So I thought, you know, at the time I was specifically saying, how do I feel about this? Like, cause I know what's happening behind the scenes, but is this annoying? Like that I did have an option to give it a second shot or a third shot and they still didn't come through. Or do I feel like, oh, I really kind of exhausted all the possibilities. And I think that's up to everybody to decide, right? right. So some folks may not go to all that extra effort and it may really annoy them in the first place that it said it was there when they didn't. Or it may be that when they placed that BOPUS order and uh, uh, it got canceled, well, they're annoyed that the store told them one thing and then canceled on them. They didn't get the other. So, um, but in on the other hand, they couldn't have done that at all, you know, a few years ago. So. Mm -hmm. I think so, we're. So how did you? How did you feel about that? How did you react? And did you ever get what you were looking for from somewhere? I did, and I actually, what I did is I, um, I just did the online version. So it uh, because the boat was canceled, I was like, they have it, so I'll just do the uh, um, ship to uh, 
home. I actually just shipped a home from that one. Got it. So, um, I, and again, so I had another recourse, right? So it wasn't total loss. I could still do it. So I guess it was annoying that, you know, I spent the time to drive down there and spend the hour, but at the same time, that's my job. So it was kind of research and it feeds back into here too. So I guess uh, technically I worked that day, but who knows? I, I wonder how many people, I mean, devices are everywhere. Everybody's got their phone with them and they're always on their phone, et cetera, even when they're shopping. Sometimes I wonder how many of these people came to the store to find what they were looking for, couldn't find it and said, I'll just pull it up and order it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I just wonder how much. <laughs> How many retailers realize how much stuff gets ordered on Amazon because they're in a store and stuff's not on the shelf? That's pretty interesting. Oh, right. yeah. Well, you are you are the expert on inventory accuracy. You've been doing this for 16 years, working with retailers, working with manufacturers. And the concept of inventory accuracy, I would think that in most people's minds say, yeah, it's probably pretty accurate. And, and the reality is it's not. So give us some sense of, first off, what is inventory accuracy from your point of view? How do you how do you measure it? And then, honestly, what is it? Is it a 0%? Is it 100%? Or where is it in the middle? How do you, how do you know uh, what inventory accuracy is in a retail environment? Mm-hmm. It's a loaded term. And what I found is when you talk to people and you start talking about inventory accuracy, even if you're, if you're listening and watching this now, just pause and think in your mind, like what does inventory accuracy mean in, in your head? Especially if uh, um, you're not necessarily in stores dealing with it all the time. Um, we don't use a consistent definition across the, across the industry at all. I mean, uh, we don't even use the same units a lot of time. Like you mentioned this, Mike, like percentage. Right. So a lot of people do inventory accuracy percentage based and there's different versions of that, which we'll get to in a minute. But some people don't even think in terms of percentages. They think in terms of dollars. So especially when you talk to the finance team, um, they're thinking about, you know, total dollar value of the store uh, versus total dollar value on hand. Well, that may or may not match up with the number of units, which is kind of how we normally think of it. Um, And then some people do it by unit volume. And then some people do it by kind of percentage. And then there's various ways to break that down as well. So uh, there's no right or wrong answer on what inventory accuracy means and I did an academic search a few years ago, looking at just papers and books and things that people have written on the subject. And it's not something you're going to learn in any one particular class. There's no uh, consensus. Um, um, it's just uh, it's a it's a term that the industry defines and redefines as we as we move through the years. Awesome. Well, let's just talk about how accurate. How, so, what is best in class from your point of view? as it relates to on-shelf availability because you're right some people weight it based on the volume of the item some people do it on the dollars etc but what we're trying to figure out is exactly what you had with your lego experience is that product on the shelf or not so mm-hmm. from an on-shelf availability perspective which how would you best help guide a retailer or for for that matter a supplier in terms of what is the right way to think about on shelf availability or on hand accuracy as it relates to OSA. As it relates to OSA. So um, the, the, the category that we deal with most frequently that has, I would say probably the most inventory accuracy problems is apparel um, because um, apparel is much more challenging to visually verify. Um, for example, if I go to the grocery store and I'm looking for Fruit Loops, Okay. I go down the cereal aisle and there should be a pretty big section of fruit loops. And if we're out of fruit loops, I'm going to have a big hole on the shelf. If we have them, 
I can see Toucan Sam from 15 feet away. So I, I, I know that they're there. Right. Um, and the flip side of that, if you're talking about uh, blue jeans and you go into a store and you look at a section of denim and you ask someone, all right, do we have any uh, size 36, 32 blue jeans on this wall? How do I know? I mean, there's, there's 200 pairs of blue jeans and they're all different sizes. So I'd have to go through each one to kind of look. So visually it's much more challenging and, and there's a lower substitutability factor in, in denim because if they don't have fruit loops, I might get Cheerios. If they don't have 36, 32 blue jeans, I'm not going to go out there and buy, you know, 40, 32, cause they don't fit. I need my size. Right. So, um, uh, for inventory accuracy on apparel, we, a lot of times focus on it as a accuracy, uh, by skew. So we say for each skew, um, is it right or is it wrong? So, and we give it a score of one or nothing. It's a binary. Um, if you're right, you get a good score. If you're wrong, you get a bad score. Um, for example, if inventory says I have two size 36, 32 pair of blue jeans and I have two on shelf, then that skew gets a score of one. It's correct. If uh, inventory says I have two, and I actually have uh, zero on the shelf, then it's wrong. I get a score of zero. Um, if I have four on the shelf and I say I have two, it's still wrong because it doesn't match. So it doesn't matter how far off it is. It's just if it doesn't match what's the, the system, we call that exact match by skew. Um, and typically what we'll find is based on the number of SKUs in the store, that exact match by skew falls somewhere in the uh, 50 to 65% range for most apparel retailers, um, which what? sounds terrible. Say that, say that again, 50 to right. 65? Wow. Right. It's, it's generally about 50 to 65% oh, wow. uh, accurate. Mm -hmm. And it depends. Like you'll have like some of the super high-end apparel retailers, especially the boutique stores, and they have maybe 30, 40 SKUs and one or two representative examples of each one. And they're very expensive. So they have more, I guess, eyeballs and hands on the, on the inventory sometimes, and they have a little bit higher um, volume. And then you'll have the opposite end of the spectrum. You may have like a, a discount shoe store and it's just like total chaos in there in terms of inventory control. But for the most part, um, we find that uh, we hover in that 50 to 65% range. Mm -hmm. So, so I have used um, with this audience before the following chart. So I'm going to just show it to you real quick because this is where your sweet spot is, right? These are four different SKUs at a particular retailer. They all have a description. They all have a store on hand, which is what the system says they have. They also have an actual on hand, which is physically how many are in the building. Mm -hmm. So walk us through this. This first one. Uh, all of them have a reorder point of two, but so the first one obviously is the best case, right? That, mm -hmm. What would you that is that would you consider a perfect match inventory accuracy? Mm -hmm. Yep, four right. and four, perfect. Actual so. So mm -hmm. let's let's look at the second one. The store says it has three, but it actually has four. Mm -hmm. What is that called, and what's the implication if it's wrong? Right. So that we would call um, understated. Okay. Okay. So. Um, understating uh, because of understating what you think you have. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. So stated is what the store thinks they have. That's the computer, right? Okay. So, um, my stated amount is three. My actual amount is four. So I am understated. Okay. So I, I have, I am saying that I have less than I actually have. Right. Got it. Um, so, so is that a problem? 
it is not a problem for the walk-in customer. It is a problem for the uh, online customer because, uh, or the BOPUS customer, right? Okay. So a walk-in customer, um, if I am understated, so if I, if I think I have three, but I actually have four, generally means that, oh, okay, and going back to my Lego example, well, they thought they had three, they actually have four on shelf. I don't care, I'm just buying one, right? So that works in my favor. But for a BOPUS customer, online customer, it may be a problem because um, that customer doesn't see things that are there. So, for example, um, I'm going back to that uh, a Lego example. If uh, the store thought that they did not have one and they actually did, I don't get to see that they have it. And I'm not going to either buy it for BOPUS or go down to the store to, to pick it up. Right. So, um you're okay, so, so so play this out. If that particular second example, this 32 by 34, if the store on hand said you had zero, mm -hmm. but you actually have four, you'll mm -hmm. call them and go, do I have any? You go, nope, sorry, we don't have any. Mm -hmm. But they really mm -hmm. do. That, mm -hmm. uh, gotcha. So that would have saved you an hour in the store, though, right? <laughs> right, yeah. So it would have. Yeah, it's true. So, but you... You're, 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 you're robbing Peter to pay Paul here, right? Because the in-store customer gets the benefit. The BOPUS customer does not. Um, and that's what we're moving. We're not, we're trying not to do that. I don't know like what your other guests will talk about, but most of us will all say we're trying to consolidate the experience between, you know, online customer and the at-home customer and the in-store customer. We're not trying to make the experiences more divergent. If we're showing two different levels of inventory or two different versions of the store to those different customers, then we're dividing those channels and we're creating a lot more pain and effort for everyone than, than unifying them. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. The third one, it says that it says we have three, but we actually only have one. What is that called? And is there any business consequences for being wrong this way? Yes. And that is called uh, overstated okay. because again, our, our stated amount is our, um, um, our store on hand. So our store on hand says we have three. So that's what's stated. And then, but we actually have one. So we are overstated. We have, uh, less in the store than than we think we do okay mm -hmm. all right and and again is that hurt us from an on-shelf availability perspective it does and that's the real one that causes the most uh, pain and problems okay the majority of the time when inventory is inaccurate it is going to be overstated okay um, the store thinks that they have more than they than they actually do. And I'm pretty sure everyone who has ever shopped in a retail store has experienced this in the past where they go to the shelf, there's none on the shelf. Uh, they ask someone, Hey, you guys have any of these? And they look it up and say, Hmm, says we have five, but I just don't see them. So sorry, I guess we don't. And, okay. and usually, you know, kind of overstated, uh, is caused by shrink or loss or theft, or there's a lot of reasons why it can happen. Um, but that you, that's the normal way that we push off from uh, accurate when it comes to inventory. All right. So let me clarify that. So if the store on hand is bigger than the actual on hand, that's overstated. You already said the inventory accurate is somewhere between 50 or 65%. Mm -hmm. What you've also said is when it's wrong, which is the other 50%, it's usually overstated. So you think you have inventory. So the understated is probably a smaller percentage. 
It really what you're saying is somebody has lost inventory for whatever reason and we don't have what we think we probably have. Right. And so we That's lose confidence point. in exposing those on hands to customers because just like your Lego example, in this case, I would argue if I'm pretty sure I have three, I'll expose that on hand. If I mm-hmm. think I have one, I might not because I don't want somebody coming all the way across town and finding out that one was wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Even if I'm 95% accurate, I might not expose that on hand because I don't want to take the risk of disappointing the customer. Isn't that correct? That's absolutely right. And okay. for, for the in-store customer, the, the impact is obvious, right? Because the in-store customer, um, you don't get it. Okay. And right. they, even if they can't see the store inventory, even if they just walked in off the street, they still don't get it because it ain't there for them to buy. Right. Okay. So that's, that's, that's clearly a lost sale uh, for the, for the online customer, the BOPUS customer. You're right, Mike. It's a, uh, generally, it's a scenario where um, you tell them that they can order it or that you have it, and then you don't actually. So when they like my example in the beginning, when I placed that Bopus order for the Lego and they canceled it like an hour or two later, it was because it was overstated. And in that scenario, that tends to really annoy consumers, right? Because it, I don't want to use it's a harsh term. I don't say lied to, but you do kind of feel like that. Like right. we had a deal, we had an arrangement. I gave you money. And you didn't give me what you were supposed to and had to, to refund it. So that's a, that's a deal gone bad. Yep. And that's not the way we want it. Yeah. And your point too is like, if the store is not confident, then they're not going to show that to their online customers. And then they have less options for, for buying things as well. Gotcha. All right. So now we get back to the last one. The last one looks to me, if the one right above it, item number 85, ending in 85, Mm-hmm. said it had three and we only have one and you called that overstated isn't the one right below it the exact same thing is there any difference between item number 85 and item number 42 on this list mm-hmm. there's a there's a big difference and that last one on the list is what really costs us uh, a lot of money and costs uh, as a retailer and as a product manufacturer and causes a lot of confusion uh, for a, a customer in a store. So that is what we would call um, critically uh, overstated. Um, some people will use critical overstated. Some people use critical out of stock. Some people use frozen out of stock, but it's all basically the same thing. So in that last scenario, um, this is where your reorder point comes into play. So the store thinks they have uh, three, right? We don't have any. And our reorder point is two. Well, if we don't have any, we're not going to sell any. Okay. So we'll never reduce that three amount down to two so that we order more so that we're hung there in limbo for um, however long it takes before someone goes out there and does a manual count, manually readjust that. So that will not heal itself. That is an inventory out of stock that will persist for um, it may be days, it may be weeks before someone actually goes out there and checks that. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a serious problem. Um, whereas on the line above it, uh, yes, it is overstated, but they do have one on shelf. So when they sell that one, then that's going to take their on hands down to two and that's the reorder point and they'll order some more. So it has an opportunity to heal itself. It may not be perfectly accurate, but at least we're going to have some stock out there for the customers. Right. That last one is is a big loser because uh, that can't you can't sell anything and it can't fix itself, so it's hung. Huge, huge. So let's go back to the summary. If if our on hand accuracy is fifty percent, which is the top one, which is it matches correctly, 
And of the 50%, it's not perfectly matched. It's overstated. You said a high percentage of it. If it's wrong, it's overstated. Mm-hmm. Give us a ballpark. I know it depends on retailer category. But what percentage of the inventory is so inaccurate it causes a critical out of stock, which creates that last environment where you don't sell any and you don't reorder any? Any any feel for, for how big a number that we're talking about? Mm-hmm. And um, critical, you know, when you get to 5%, that's, you know, danger zone, red flag, warning sign. That's, okay. that's real dollars. Um, so we've seen anywhere from three to 20%. Uh, 20% is a pretty extreme example, mm. uh, but it happens, especially whenever you have categories that have very low shelf capacities and very low reorder points, because it doesn't take much to it could just take a single unit to push you into a critical. Um, and, uh, for whatever reason, I don't know why this is. And academically, we've been really interested in this. Looking at a lot of retailers, and it's not just us, it's other labs and the European retailers even, and, and some of the labs over there in academics. We always find that in apparel in particular, we're always in that 55 to 65 or 50 to 65% exact match PI range. I don't know what it is about that that's magic. But, um, but when it comes to criticals, they are heavily impacted by how frequently they cycle count that store department. Mm-hmm. So if you've got somebody who's doing it like every week, then the criticals heal themselves faster. If you got like a big department store that's doing it twice a year, man, they really stack up. So um, there tends to be more fluctuation based on the, uh, the, the execution of the retailer. Wow. This is tremendous. Well, I, you know, you just don't understand when I, when I've talked to people, it says, "Well, the product's out of shelf, not on the shelf." Well, it must be all those boats in the harbor we haven't unloaded yet. And there's <laughs> right. so many other reasons why things are happening. So, how do how does a retailer or supplier, for that matter, how do they measure on hand accuracy? How do they? You you mentioned the word cycle count. I want you to define that term because that's one of the methods that people do. Mm-hmm. What are the methodologies that people use to, if it's such an important measurement to actually get the on hands to a point where they're not negatively impacting your business? Right. Okay. So cycle count is a fancy term that means counting inventory. Right. So, um, and, um, people have been doing this since the days of the wild, wild west, when they would, you know, walk around the general store and count up how many cans of beans they have, I guess. But, uh, you know, um, um, I think, uh, um, um, in the past, before barcodes, it was kind of paper-based, right? So you would say, I have five of this, six of that, eight of that, two of that. And um, it's walking around, looking, counting it. And, and once we got barcodes, uh, cycle counts, and to this day, tend to persist into a barcode counting technique. So you'll have people go around and scan, 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 and all those items, and then it goes back into your inventory. Um, and then we have new technologies that are coming into play, like um, RFID or computer vision or others that will allow uh, machines to do that inventory count uh, more fat, uh, faster and more accurately. Uh, but, um, uh, at the end of the day, it's all, I'm counting how much of each inventory item I have is a cycle count. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I can't help but ask you this question because it's 16 years of your life has been dedicated to this. Uh, give me the reader's digest, at least a little taste for the podcast listeners, RFID. Mm-hmm. We hear about that a lot. We hear it's been around for a long time. Uh, it seems to be kind of just an apparel play. 
exactly what does it work? Who's using this thing? Is it really have legs underneath it? Obviously, you've dedicated your life to it, so you're committed to it. But what role do you believe specifically RFID plays in helping drive inventory accuracy? Okay. So um, it's a great question. So RFID, you Google it, you're going to find 9 million things. But at its core, it is a way to count things faster and more accurately. So, you know, typically RFID that we use in retail store, a lot of stuff you'll see in apparel, like if you go to a Macy's or a Dillard's or, you know, a Nike or Under Armour, Walmart or Target, any of these retailers, they'll use RFID tags on apparel. Uh, To put it in context, um, uh, last year, about 20 to 21 billion items were RFID tagged globally uh, with UHF. And the total um, amount of apparel manufactured globally was probably around 80 thereabouts. So about a quarter of apparel that's being manufactured today is being RFID tagged for inventory purposes. And um, an RFID scanner, uh, it's usually a, like a little gun. Um, you can scan about, you know, anywhere from 200 to four or 500 tags per second. So if I'm trying to take inventory of an apparel section, I can walk through that section with my uh, RFID scanner and I can very quickly take a, an inventory account of every single SKU of every single item that's in that section. So it's about uh, speed and it's about accuracy. So when I use that term, you know, cycle count earlier, um, having the ability to go to a section of a store, and it's not always apparel, it can be electronics, it can be anything, you name it, um, and to quickly within a minute or two, take a uh, inventory count of everything that's in there and use that to update my on hands and correct all that understated and overstated and criticals um, saves a lot of time and effort. And it also um, 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 saves me a lot of sales and a lot of disappointed customers and, and their time as well by uh, truing all that up. So, so if I'm at 50% accurate, which you said is kind of the industry standard and I implement successfully, and I'm sure there's a lot of pieces that go into that, but I successfully implement an RFID solution specifically in apparel, general merchandise, et cetera. What can I expect my on accuracy to be? Typically you'll see that bounce up to about 95 to 97%. And, um, and that means exact match by SKU. So that means 95 to 97% of your SKUs in the store, um, the, uh, the will match between, you know, the store on hand and the actual, um, now, a lot of people misinterpret that and says, oh, that means the RFID gun's only scanning 95% of the items. No, it doesn't. It's scanning all of them, basically, way more than you can manually count. Uh, but um, there are other factors that come into play that will cause those to go off a little bit. Um, for example, shrink. Somebody dropped it and broke it. Somebody threw it away. Somebody stole it. People steal stuff all the time, every day. So there's little factors that come in that will You'll, I don't think you'll ever get above like, you know, 97, 98, unless it's something that's just kind of locked up and the mm-hmm. customers don't have access to, and you're constantly monitoring it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but that is a, um, a very strong inventory accuracy adjustment. And it may, allows the retailers to make some pretty significant changes in how they uh, sell and merchandise inventory. Awesome. Well, 
I've sort of teased the audience a little bit because you are the expert in the industry when it comes to RFID. So if you're okay with it, we would love to have you come back on a future uh, podcast and unpack this topic because I believe this is a critical. And by the way, you and I have been working on it for 16 years, so we know it works. We wouldn't do it this long if we didn't think it worked. But I think there's a lot of topics to unpack on that. We just kind of scratched the surface and wet some appetite. So I'd love to have you come back and do that. Just as a wrap-up, my question for you is, what else is what else should the listeners know? I've asked you a lot of questions around on-hand accuracy. What else, what else should I what – did, what didn't I ask you that I should have? Um, I think you cover it pretty well. You know, a lot of this stuff seems a, a little bit uh, pedantic to just a person who's going to the store shopping because, you know, my mom and dad don't really care if it's understated or overstated or whatever. They just know if they can buy it or not. But it does help to know, like, why – things don't match people get really frustrated when they go to a retail store and their system's wrong it's like how can you not know what you have and then i'll ask them it's like how many pair of shoes do you own well i don't know well, how, <laughs> i mean you know how many plates do you have well, i don't know and then you get scary questions like how many things do you own that cost more than five thousand dollars and most people will be like uh i don't know but i probably should know right so like by nature humans we're awful in inventory. We're not good at it. We don't like counting things. It's just not something that we are um, good at as a just human nature. So, you know, there's this expectation that, you know, these retailers that have just a sea of inventory and all this complex movement in there should have a very high accuracy. In the meantime, the rest of our life, we spend half the day looking for our keys. So like, mm -hmm. you know, um, I think that, uh, um, understanding kind of uh, why inventory is important more than just beyond whether my cereal is in stock or I can get the Legos I want is important. Uh, and then people will start understanding and seeing how it matters. And it will start mattering more and more all around them um, than it has in the past. Justin, I can't thank you enough. This is incredible. Um, th this topic is so important but so misunderstood not only by people who shop, but frankly, industry experts. Because um, I think some of the things you enlightened us that just because it's inaccurate, not all inaccuracies are equally important to making sure the product is on the shelf. So thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Uh, we will welcome you back. Uh, and we'd love to talk about RFID and any other technologies that are out there that can help retailers. Because again, this podcast is all about helping retailers and suppliers drive on shelf availability. And I think you are absolutely an expert in that area. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you for taking the time for this epic discussion. A special thanks to Mike Grain for leading the Retail Supply Chain Initiative. On behalf of the Walton SEMRC, we are delighted to lead with you as we learn, engage, address, and develop all things supply chain to lead the world of commerce from Northwest Arkansas. Have a great day.